0: Radio Rumi. Hi everyone, I'm Fatime Keshavars and this is another episode of Radio Rumi. I'm talking to you from my home in Capitol Hill and outside my window lots is going on, including passerbys who talk to each other and an occasional car. So I'm hoping that Our conversations about Rumi will not be interrupted too much. But that's life outside the window. And what I'm going to tell you today, which is in a way a continuation of what we were talking about in the last episode, is that teaching has to happen in the context of life. It has to happen in a very experiential and down-to-earth way. That is certainly what drew me and his teacher Shams, about whom we talked last time, uh, believed. In fact, if you remember, I quoted a a saying of Shams, who said, um, to me, faith is not something that happens once, but it is something that you gain and lose and gain and lose again until you gradually reach a stage of perfection in other words there is no magic there is no commodity that we can purchase or acquire in any way that would be our comfort our knowledge our faith but it is a day-to-day living and change and struggle and back and forth until we get where we can get and we hope to get before I uh, go further with this, let me remind you all that you can write to me at radio.rumi.umd.edu. Again, radio.rumi@umd at UMD. I'm sorry if I said dot .UMD, actually. radio.rumi@umd.edu at UMD.edu. Send any ideas, thoughts, suggestions, questions. Um, And I would be delighted to try and answer in the future episodes. So, back to Shams. What am I going to do today? As you um, remember, we talked about Shams last time as a teacher who made the greatest impact on Rumi. Though it wouldn't really be fair to say that Rumi was a completely different person and suddenly Shams came along and everything changed. No. Rumi's education, his family, his connection with his father, and all that meant a lot in who he was and made a great impact on who he was. But then when Shams came along, um, a few um, important things changed. One of them was that um, Shams taught Rumi in a way that other teachers didn't. Like, he didn't give him a book to read. He didn't sit there and give a big sermon. But he uh, did all that by living in in Rumi's environment and by wanting to change him, asking him to ask himself how relevant is what he, he knows to what he does. In other words, does he really live what he has learned? So um, that is probably why when Shams left, in fact, um, Rumi kind of had him inside, or he had the version of Shams that he had acquired inside because Shams didn't want him to imitate him either, which was another uh, great pedagogical lesson. A lot of teachers would say, look at me, see what I'm doing, do it that way. Um, a great number of masters taught, Sufi masters taught their students that way, and non-Sufi masters. But for Shams, taqlid or imitation was in fact a source of misunderstanding and even corruption. So, he says in fact that, um, whatever happened in the world that went wrong is very often related to somebody trying to imitate someone um, blindly or deny someone blindly. Um, in other words, you have to just find your own way and experience your own lesson, find your own lesson in life. And one day in a sermon, Shams said, Zahedi budi dar ku, uku budi, adami budi said there was this um, renunciant, the Zahid, who lived on a mountain, and there were in fact renunciants in all religious traditions who did this, who went on a mountain to meditate, and not just for an hour or two or a day or two, just lived there on a long-term uh, basis. So Shem says there was this renunciant who lived on the mountain, but was he really a human being? Was he a person? was he a creature of the mountain well if he was a person he should be with other human beings and then he adds that with the lesson that he has in mind be with others and able to be with yourself alone in other words be with people but don't let them invade your time invade your life Preserve for yourself the right to be with yourself and to be alone. In fact, Sufis have a special term for this practice of being alone with other people, which they call khalvat jam, having your own solitude among other people. Of course, this doesn't mean that you um, ignore others or don't talk to them, or don't have exchanges, because if you did, then there would be no point of being with people. But it's more about not being invaded, but rather having your own choice, your own decision, your own way of doing things, which again and again emphasizes the human agency and things, because you're responsible, therefore you should have a way of doing your own things, otherwise responsibility is totally meaningless. Now, um, what do we mean when we say that? Um, remember, last time was that that Champs left once, and Rumi was very upset. It was to him a great loss that this teacher, whom he had found, who had brought significant changes to his life, had disappeared. In fact, he sent his own son to fetch him, and then Champs came back. But then again, he left. And the second time, we don't really know if he left or he died. And um, indeed, um, Rumi did um, suffer, did mourn in a way Shams's loss. Uh, but at the same time, on various occasions, he showed that he that he did have Shams with him as a part of his. Being. So he had acquired that presence and made it his. Yeah. Very beautiful and well-known ghazal. he's talking about that, though he doesn't really um, name Shams at this point. He says, He says, <laughs> You walk inside my soul without being seen. You're actually almost like my soul. You're also the green cypress tree that stands in the garden and keeps my garden green. So it's a combination of the two, inside and outside. Again remember, the inside and the outside have to be connected. The solitude and the being with others have to be connected. and man so here Rumi returns to the connection, the connection between the two, the fact that in fact he does want to keep the beloved, the teacher close by. And he says, when you go, don't go without me. Or if you go, don't go without me. You're like the soul of my soul. Don't leave without your body. So in a way, Rumi becomes the body and the teacher becomes the soul. Don't leave my eyes, my bright light, my bright flame because without light you can't see you can have the most the strongest the most far-sighted eyes but if there's not light you won't see so then he compares the teacher the beloved the guide to this bright light but then again remembers his own agency all, بس هفت در یا بگذرم چون دل برا اونه بنگری در جا اونه سرگرده من. I'm going to tear the seven skies open. after all, من رو I'm going to tear the skies open. The seven skies open. بس هف در یا بگذرم. And I'm going to cross the seven seas when you look like a beloved at me and at my bewildered soul in other words the look the look of the beloved doesn't capture you doesn't turn you into a captive, into somebody who can't do anything, but rather turns you into an agent, into a doer, into somebody who could turn, um, cross the seven seas and tear the seven skies open. And there are many, many examples like that. Um, There's another ghazal. I have to quote a few lines of that for you. Because Rumi uses some of his most beautiful uh, metaphors here, and some of these concepts are very difficult, are very complicated, and explanation actually kills them. Um, So, for example, how how do you explain love? How do you explain beauty? How do you explain humor? Can you ever say to someone why a sentence is funny? Not really. But the way you can do it is often by using a metaphor that gives a tangible example of that very complicated concept. So here, um, Rumi compares himself and all the journeyers, others who are walking with him, um, to early risers. There is a concept of Sahar khis. Early, an early riser, which is actually a type in Sufi tradition because early morning is supposed to be a time during which you can really hear the, your own inner voices. You're not interrupted very often by all the daily um, interruptions and preoccupations that all human beings, by necessity, have. So, he addresses... He is um, comrades, his travelers, as Yarong Nesahar Khizan. So, the friends, early risers, or the early riser friends. So he says, you know, you the, the getting up early in the morning, everybody can get up early in the morning, or many people can do that. But who is the one who actually understands the morning and receives the morning. Kind of has the openness to the morning. Oh my early riser friends let's see who will the sun first who will see the sun first who will embrace the morning? But who is going to find us like little modes, little particles floating in the sun, flying in the light? If you ever look at a column of light that is shining through the air closely, you'll see how many little particles are dancing in there. That's a metaphor that the Sufis use all the time, and Rumi, like many other Sufi poets, uses that as us, our souls, being pulled in the direction of the sun, dancing in the hope of reaching there. But if you look at those particles, as they dance, they go up and down, zero zebar, they turn around. So zero zebar shodan is to become somebody else, to change, to completely um, lose what you had or who you were and discover another self in yourself. So, or early morning risers, let's see who embraces the morning, who becomes the most who flies in the sun and turns around and discovers a new self and becomes a new self again. And then another, even more complicated and even more expressive metaphor, a shell. The belief was that a drop falls into the shell, and then the shell closes, and then it turns into a pearl. That was, again, another poetic trope, another image. And here Rumi uses that image, employs that image to refer to um, a human being who is traveling, who's seeking, who's journeying in the direction of whatever it is that is their spiritual goal. He says, you know, we can all be a thirsty shell that opens for a drop yachun sadaf tishna bukshad dehan aayat ta qatra bi khud dar khish gohariyabad so who's the one who would come like a thirsty shell with an open mouth so that it can Embrace a drop and then find it, a pearl, or rather turn it into a pearl inside himself or herself. So again, the drop could fall anywhere, but it's the act of the agency of the individual, the act of turning that into a pearl that matters that experiential learning, that everyday struggle. And then he ends that poem actually with saying um, that is like if you walk in the direction of Shams, and maybe that is how he's talking about himself because after all, he did walk in the direction of Shams and he did change a good deal of his life in order to be a true follower of Shams. So he says if you do that, even if you felt, even if you don't have a strong feet to go forward, you'll find that you will have a pair of wings that have grown out of love. In other words, you are independent now. You now have your own skies to fly to. Harkusuisham said, Din as said, and had Gaumi Garposh forum monat as Esh to par yopat Garposh forum monat as Esh to par yopat. If his or her feet stop going forward, he or she will find a pair of wings that have grown out of love. And I can't actually let this line go without pulling out one more concept for you to think about. If you look at the first hamstich or listen to the first hamstick, it goes, Harsu, I'm sorry, Harku, din, ased, had Whoever walks in the direction of Shams takes a step with Total honesty, said is total sincerity. Um, that is the person that, if he loses a string in his feet or her feet, is going to gain a pair of um, wings. So, time and again, we see that, that perseverance and sincerity to be who you are, not to act as if you are somebody, is really truly important to that process of learning and if that happens you're empowered you're empowered with love and you are um, have a pair of wings that will take you to places so that is uh, the reason why learning is not a thing and it is not in books it's something that happens between the learner and the teacher and um, becomes a way of life and a new way of a new way of living. So I'm gonna run fast, run fast so that I can catch the riders. So how is it? If this is not a thing, what is it that you need to do? You need to persevere, you need to be honest, and you need to run fast. Take action. And, niscava, niscava, talk about a person. So, this again is a concept that comes up again and again in Rumi. If you think that you know everything. If you have acquired all the books that you wanted to acquire and and taken all these lessons and you know that you have the answers, then there isn't really much room for anything to be added. Then your jog that's already full. You have to empty this jog. You have to open room. And here, Rumi kind of... um Drives this point home by exaggerating a little bit. Nis chavam, nis chavam. Ta ke be I will lose myself. I will become nothing. I will be non-existent so that I can embrace my beloved. shudam, So, have to be able to break in a good sense, in a constructive sense. We've seen this with love, too. From from Rumi's perspective, love is not this rosy, quiet moment of happiness with the beloved and embracing everything. And No. At times, it's burning. It's breaking. It's opening up boxes that you haven't opened before. It's to be able, able to do away with things so that you can build new constructions. I've become so happy, so comfortable, so pleasant. I've become. A burning coal. A flame. Fire. I'll burn this house. And I run and I go. Till I can reach that open space of the fields. And again it's very interesting that he pairs together. Khosh and agtash shodan. To be comfortable, and pleasant, and happy, and a piece of burning coal at the same time. Now oh, I have to read this again for the Persian speakers. It's really one of those, um, Super roomy verses with his signature all, all over it, repetition, flow, liveliness of the words, beauty of the imagery and the life in it. I'll become the dust, I become the earth. So that I can grow the green, the meadows inside me. Oh shabam. I become the flow, a flowing stream, rolling on its head, as if it were prostrating itself. See, if you watch a, a water flow, it is rolling on its head like it's prostrating itself. Oh shabam such kunan Like water, I'm going to prostrate myself and go till I arrive in the garden. And so um it's a good time to ask. So what is teaching about? If the learner has to do all these things, what is that the teacher do that? that act that the teacher takes? Well, one of the most important ones at the very beginning is trust. There is a lot in the writings of Rumi and other um, thinkers of his time and mystics of his time who talk about charlatans, about those who pretend to be spiritual teachers, who are after power, because after all, they're going to gain respect and trust of people. So it's very important to have a true teacher and to be able to really feel that trust with them. And once that happens, and of course again that's in no book, That's no, there are no rules when you can find and explain and understand that. It's again in that interaction, in that give and take. Which is why in Persian, actually, there is a word for a teacher, which is amuzgar, the one who teaches you. And another word, amizgar, the one who mixes with you, who spends time with you. And sometimes they say, learning by sitting knee to knee. Because remember, they were sitting on the floor in those times, they would sit on the floor and and take their lessons or on a cushion. So, sitting knee to knee to learn, to pass on this thing, this learning, which is experience, fact, knowing, trust, and a human interaction that actually opens up a space. In that space, things happen, things that matter. And as you do that, As you go there with your teacher, as you open up that space of learning, you learn how to navigate it. And then you become your own teacher. And then you even become other people's teachers. And you take that road to where it will take you. Because for everybody and anybody, this is something unique. Something that they can do in their own way. The teachers share. They share by Giving what they know, and by doing—that's another stage—by just being in the presence of the student. And Rumi has another beautiful metaphor for that. He says, nazar mikonad, rah so because if people got lost in the desert, in an open space where there were no um, cities around them to uh, or signs of urban life to find their way, they would look at the skies and try to understand where they are by locating the various constellations of the stars. So Rumi says somebody is lost and looks up the, on, at the skies and finds his or her way, um, Are the stars talking to this person? No. They shed light on this person's way, on this traveler's way, by being there, by being bright, by being who they are. And if you think about your own personal experience and um, remember throughout life, I am absolutely sure that you remember people who taught you without ever being your teacher directly, but by simply being there, being who they were, by sharing what they had with you generously and interacting with you and living their own lives and being who they were. And that's part of the beauty of the teacher-student relationship. It has so many different uh, dimensions. So, trust, openness, being able to empty oneself of all the claims and of all the feelings that I know and I'm, I'm not in need of further learning, and then finding the person who is generous, able to give, and able to be an example. Now, there's one factor that I want to bring to your attention before I end this um, particular episode, and that is beauty. Beauty is a very important part of all of this. In this journey, in the relationship with God, in that exchange, seeing beauty is is a witness to the beauty of the world, to who you are, because it touches you. You know, sometimes your cat walks in, your dog, your uh, friend, a flower, and you moved. Something opens up inside you. Or something is, which is like a cage uh, keeping you closed opens up and lets you go out and explore and embrace. And respecting this beauty and understanding it is very, very important. Because it is about the beauty of the world and the beauty of you, the person. If you don't see the beauty in yourself, you will not be able to see the beauty outside either kay Maro mara chanan ke manam bahche Chemanam o bin nishan ke manam kay bebinam mara ajab bahr-e bicharan another amazing couple of verses from Rumi oh how devoid of color and description i am free of color and description how can i ever see myself the way i truly am <speaking in foreign language> my sea is kind of drowning in itself it's so huge it's embracing itself <speaking in foreign language> What an amazing, shoreless sea I am. On this wonderful assertion of Rumi about the self, I'll end this episode and say goodbye to you. Till next time remember you can write to me at radio Roomy at umd.edu <laughs> You're still